It is one big massive infested rat's nest. And it is absolutely uh, going to destroy this country if we don't stand up right now. And you're right. It's a lot of different players. I mean, we go back to before Election Day, all the problems that were going on. And you go to Election Day where it it looks like sabotage. I mean, how else do you explain it where on Election Day, all of these coincidentally, all these machines going down the same way. It wasn't like one machine shorted out. Another machine had uh, problems reading uh, ballots. Another machine, uh, you know, the on-off switch broke down. These are the same exact type of problems on more than half of the uh, of the election polling places, election day polling places. And it sure as heck looks like an attempt to stop our movement. Everybody and their brother knew that our people, our supporters were showing up on election day. And I am I am crestfallen for the voters of the great state of Arizona, many of them. Older people, many of them, young people voting for the first time, veterans who showed up so excited to vote in this election because they had a candidate in me who was truly going to stand up and do their work and do the people's work. And they showed up only to get there and realize, oh, my gosh, this election is being botched. Looks like to me intentionally botched when they couldn't get their, their, their ballot to be read. I saw some grown men leaving in video, leaving these election polling places and they just looked like, oh, my gosh, our country's gone. Our country's gone. When this kind of setup happens over and over and over again, and we're unable to fight it, I will fight this until I will fight. This is a hill we're dying on for me, Steve. And I will I will make it to the top of this hill, and I'll make it to the top of the next hill, and we will bring about fair elections in this state and in this country. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Um, I've got... Two of the steadiest hands I know, Michael Patrick Leahy and Floyd Brown. Part of that's they got a couple of three miles on them. Um, but here's, and we were trying to get the participants in these, the combatants, but people are in court or they're filing in court. There's a lot of activity going on here. People should understand this is not just Carrie Lake's fight. She's fighting like crazy and behind the scenes, they got this big legal apparatus going and they've got all these affidavits they're doing. But there's fights all around. And one thing I think is shocking the country, I want to give a hat tip to Daily Caller and the Daily Caller Foundation wrote a great piece. I think, Floyd, you guys are working with that. Uh, I know Michael Patrick Leahy of the Arizona Sun-Times. Here, here's what I don't understand. And Leahy, I'll start with you and then go to Floyd. Um, Katie Hobbs, and now emails are coming out, et cetera. They're, they're, they're full. I mean, this is like Stalin. They're, they're, they're Muslim. They're threatening putting people in jail. You will certify. They're not giving them any any choices whatsoever. So, Michael Patrick Leahy, walk me through. It looks like she's forcing certification of Mojave and uh, and Cochise County. And the two things here, they have problems with the elections overall. Although obviously Carrie Lake won there and and people won, um, but they have issues there. But they have really a Fourteenth Amendment issue about equal protection that Maricopa County essentially disenfranchised. Their voters, uh, Michael Patrick Leahy, you so first, and I'll go to Floyd. The language that Katie Hobbs uses, uh, and the claim uh, is that the members of the board of supervisors in each county have a non-discretionary uh, ministerial duty to just rubber stamp anything that the the county recorder gives to them. That Steve is not in any Arizona statute. I'll tell you exactly where it came from. It came from the pen of Katie Hobbs in the 2019 election procedures manual. And the language sounds exactly like the kind of language uh, the Democratic attorney 
uh, Mark Elias might have suggested to her at that time because he's using it in all the lawsuits. And um, what you have here is uh, Attorney General Mark Burnovich and Governor Ducey were asleep at the wheel. They missed that. Um, they allowed that to go through. Uh, and it is a major, major error. They then said, well, if you don't just rubber stamp it, which is not statutory, it's just in this election procedures manual, then you're in violation of uh, code 16-1010, which would be a uh, uh, class six felony. Never has anybody been prosecuted for that, but they are basically creating a crime. That's what they're doing. They're creating a crime and they're going against the supervisors that may not have uh, at the time the most sophisticated talent. I'm not criticizing the lawyers. I'm making an observation. Maybe not the most um, astute lawyers on election law. Floyd, you've been uh, centered in Arizona for a long time. You've seen the long arc of this. What's going so, on here? Because so, she's playing. How, how can she force? How can she force well, and have these all, supervisors to, coming uh, for? How, go we, ahead. First of all, we need to talk about why these two counties didn't want to certify, because that's very important for us to understand. And the certification problem has to do with these machines that are used to tabulate the vote. Now, according to HAVA, which is the federal law which governs these elections. These machines have to be certified in a certain process. And the machines that we've had in Arizona have not been properly certified. And so they have kind of a pseudo uh, certification that came from Katie Hobbs, but they haven't really been certified through an outside process, which is part of what gives people comfort about elections. And so these county commissioners who are uh, not controlled by, um, you know, the big establishment that runs Phoenix and runs the state government. These are these are outlying counties. You know, Mojave County is way up north in Kingman along Route 66. And Cochise County is way down south uh, next to the border and has experienced a lot of the, the serious border issues. These people uh, don't want to, you know, do something that 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 gives cover to uncertified machines. And so, uh, you know, the, the truth is it's di- very difficult. If, if I was a county commissioner, I, I would be perplexed myself. You know, I don't read computer code. The only people that can certify these machines are people that are technology specialists. And if you're not using the right kind of technology specialists, to certify these machines according to federal law, then, uh, you know, you should have a problem with certification. And that was their first problem. The second problem is what you brought up, Stephen, and that is this uh, 14th Amendment issue, which is treating people the same across the state. And uh, it's, it's similar to the same issue that was brought up when Texas sued Pennsylvania two years ago. Because Texas was saying, hey, you know, you have disenfranchised Texans because you've so botched your election in Pennsylvania. Well, this is this is the same um, argument, only on a county level. And they're saying to big old Maricopa, Maricopa, your election was so broken. It was so flawed. It was so dysfunctional. Your malfeasance was so great. And the corruption was so deep 
You've disenfranchised our people out here in Mojave County and out here in, in Cochise County. So these are really serious, major constitutional issues. And and yet uh, the power elite just sweeps it under the rug. It's, it, it, they, they, they really, I think, don't care about what the citizens think. They just want to, you know, make this go away. And it, and, and this is where it's really important that we stand and that we're firm. We don't have a country, Steve, if we don't have fair, free, impartial elections. And if we can't believe in those elections, then uh, we've got, you know, the fundamental building block that holds America together is broken. Our foundation is broken. And, and, and this is endemic of a society in collapse. It's a society that uh, has its institutions really collapsing. And um, these people out in the rural counties, they're just saying, hey, you know, they're, they're saying we got to stop this thing until we until we really get it figured out. OK, there's no path. I don't care if you're Ron DeSantis or whoever you are, Pompeo leave Trump aside for a second. There's no path to victory in 2024 and to take over the administration and start to deconstruct the administrative state unless Arizona is a free and fair election. Just not, not chance. This is why Mark Elias, this is why Katie Hobbs, this, this, this plan of theirs is well thought through and they're playing smash mouth, including telling Cochise and Mojave County, Hey, if you go up against this, boom, it's a felony. Yeah, well, this, this is part of a, a long. This is part of a long-term plan. And before the 2020 election, Mark Elias was very active. And think about the states he was active in with litigation. It was Pennsylvania. It was Michigan. It was Wisconsin. It was you know Arizona. It was Nevada. These states are critical on the pathway for any Republican to win the presidency. Yeah. And as long as the election process in those states is corrupted, then um, there's no chance of any Republican ever winning. That's but, but why here's we a, have to yeah. draw the line here. But here's the point. We have to draw the line. But the reason that you're not getting the momentum on the outrage Rasmussen went yesterday. The people in Arizona are outraged by this. People across the country are outraged by this. All the polling shows it is the Republican McCain elite, the business interests in the state that have partnered with these radical Democrats because it is Ducey, Brnovich, and the rest of the uh, the McCain crowd that's essentially a collaborationist with this. And that's why you're not seeing the outrage right now that you would need to tip this thing over. Floyd, you first, and I'll get the lady. Am I, am I incorrect on that, sir? No, you're absolutely, you're spot on, uh, Stephen, that you're, you're spot on. We have the, that's the kind of the term I use when I say the power elite. It's this, um, group of Republican business leaders that have locked hands and locked arms with these Marxist Democrats. And um, frankly, I think it's a, a foolish, very foolish uh, strategic move on the part of these businessmen. But they are so, you know, fearful about losing, uh, you know, things like the Super Bowl. You know, before before Kerry was a, a elected and um, 
you know, I really do believe she was elected. But before the election, you know, the 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 NFL was saying, well, you know, if Kerry Lake's elected, we're going to pull the Super Bowl out of Arizona. And so uh, these are big economic impact um, uh, programs. And so the power elite, you know, wants to keep Arizona to be this state that is receiving a lot of these big business investments. And so that's that's what's really going on here. Hang on one second. Leahy, you hang there. I got Floyd Brown. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to try to get to Naomi. She, there was a big protest at Yale right now in New Haven about vax mandates for these kids. Uh, we've got Tony Cardwell. The union got stiffed uh, by the Biden uh, regime. Uh, and try to even get Dave Walsh in here. All next in the world. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. Okay, we're going to go back to Arizona. want to make sure everybody knows. TPUSA.com slash warm. Go there. Check it out right now. December 17th to 20th. We want to pack the house. I think it's 12, 15,000 seats. want to pack the house. want a huge turnout by the war room posse. There will be meeting and gritting, doing breakout sessions. Turning Point USA, America Fest. Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, yours truly. Of course, Pasovic, Charlie, the great Charlie Kirk, many, many, many others. This will be a way to fire off the football, to summarize 2022 and to fire off the football for 2023. Make sure you go check it out today. TPUSA.com. Let me go. Michael Patrick Leahy, your thoughts and observations. We're obviously going to have you back over the weekend as we follow this thing closely of the smash mouth nature of the Democratic Party in Arizona, sir. Uh, so here's where we stand right now. Last night, Cochise County became the 15th and final county to certify the election results. By the statute, uh, December 5th, which is Monday, Katie Hobbs is uh, set to certify the election. She will do that. Um, and then uh, there will be a, a few days where we'll wait for Carrie Lake to file an election contest in Superior Court in Arizona. And that uh, case will have five days for the judge to determine whether or not Kerry's uh, case has merit or uh, and and the election should be annulled or uh, whether he will uh, throw that out. So that's where we stand right now. My understanding is that and I'm hearing this from very good sources. I talked to some people. Cochise County has retained some lawyers. I think they're actually thinking maybe even going to federal court uh, to sort this thing out. They're not going to the folks in Cochise are not going to sit down and just take this. They're quite worked up down there, as they should be. Leahy, how do people get to Arizona Sun-Times? Go to ArizonaSunTimes.com, ArizonaSunTimes.com. We're in 11 states. Arizona is one of them. You can also reach uh, the Star News Network at StarNewsNetwork.com. Reach me on Twitter and Getter at Michael P. Leahy. Thank you, brother. Floyd Floyd Brown, your assessment, sir. Well, I think that uh, uh, Michael Patrick Leahy laid it out pretty clearly what's happening. I happen to be in contact with many of Carrie Lake's lawyers. They have a very strong case. The question is, will we find a judge that will hear that case? Uh, There was major malfeasance on the part of Maricopa County um, recorder and in the elections office and with Bill Gates. And uh, so we will see if uh, they actually do call for a new election. They should call for a new election. But, um, you know, it's been difficult for conservatives to get a hearing in court on any of these election questions. And uh, Mark Elias and the smash mouth Democrats have been ahead of us every step of the way. Hey, 
I'm only going to win with Smash Mouth, right? This is not the, this is not uh, a dinner party, as they say. Uh, Floyd, we've got this whole issue of sanctions. I don't have time with it now. They've come after Kerry Lake and they're trying to make it look like it's this process. It's actually a process from a while ago. It's a radical Democratic judge. We'll talk, we'll either track you down this afternoon or tomorrow. Get Kerry Lake's people on here to talk about it. It's another, it's another misdirection play, but thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, a lot going on in Arizona. We're going to have more of, of I think, the combatants themselves, some of these lawyers. Uh, Hobbs is supposed to be in court. Now, it's going to be by Zoom at 1130 on the uh, on the uh, situation in Arizona 1, uh, which I thought, if you guys read it last night, we put up one of the most interesting lawsuits they got out there. Uh, we had the, uh, the uh, gentleman running for Congress, Josh Barnett, on last night. We're following that closely. They're getting ready to go into court. But Katie Hobbs is supposed to have her day in court here unless something's changed here minute by minute. Um, I vote aye under duress. Um, I found out today that I have no choice but to vote aye or I'll be arrested and charged with a felony. Um, I don't think that that is what our founders had in mind when they used the democratic process to elect our leaders, our self, form of self-government. And I find that very disheartening. With your vote of... Four eyes and zero nays. You've approved item 1B. Anything else for the good of the order? Roger. Okay, welcome. It's Friday, 3 December in the year of Alert 2022. You're in the war room for the afternoon show. Uh, simultaneously, Elon Musk is coming out right now or should be coming out shortly with his um, – he's going to release – he says all the internal documents about um, – the Hunter Biden laptop. And as you remember, we were the first, we worked with that for months, uh, working with the New York Post, uh, and Miranda Devine, Emma Joe Morris, that great editorial team there to release the laptop from hell. And, um, we were very prominent. We were the first TV show to put it up consistently every day. Or eventually, we've never been on Twitter, but we, uh, had a Twitter account, War Room Twitter account. I've never personally been on Twitter ever and would never go on Twitter. Um, and that was taken down because of the contents of the laptop from hell. So uh, we're going to be fond of that. We got Mike Davis. We have Darren Beatty at Revolver. We've got Natalie uh, Winters, our executive editor, all on it. We're going to be talking about that at the bottom of the hour. We got to start in Arizona. Something extraordinary is going on in Arizona. And uh, quite frankly, we have two counties, Cochise and Mojave. It's uh, very, I think, up in the air how they certified or were they forced to certify this election? And what exactly is Arizona law procedures, processes? Uh, what did they really work off of as far as the manual? And amazing, we got Carrie Lake and her team. We have Caroline Wren. We have Tom Van Flying. So a lot to get to. I want to start with an extraordinary story out of the Daily Caller. And I think the Daily Caller Foundation or June Singh is the reporter contributor that has an exclusive on really the emails. Uh, from Katie Hobbs's office and her deputy, the elections director, was it Corey Lorick? Arjun, just walk us through. Tell what is the story? Because it was pretty. It shocked. And remember, the whole world's watching this. We had Dave Walsh, our energy expert, on today. We're talking about, as we always do, this situation with energy in um, in Europe. And he made the comment at the end of it. He said, "Hey, the guys in Europe. He talks to in the energy. Everybody's watching Arizona. The whole world's watching." Not just in this country, the entire world's watching what's happening in Arizona. Can you walk us through your story, sir? 
Well, thank you very much, Steve. It's great to be here. And you're absolutely right. We should be watching Arizona, given that what's happening there is frankly unprecedented. All the people I'm talking to say the same thing. So after the election on November the 8th, the counties had to take about three weeks before they could sort of certify November the 28th, 20 days after the election is when they're supposed to do it. And Cochise and Mojave County, specifically Mojave, did not want to certify on the 28th. They wanted to wait some time. They wanted to do some due diligence, particularly Cochise. In Mojave County, they wanted to wait until the 28th so as to symbolically represent their displeasure with what was happening in Maricopa County, which is where Phoenix is. It's the largest county in the state and where there's an ongoing legal battle regarding the procedures that were followed in the election over there. And so as a result of that, Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State of Arizona, who ran for governor, um, her deputy, Corey Lorek, who is the Arizona State Elections Director, sent a series of threatening emails and letters to the elected representatives of the Mojave County Board of Supervisors. She said that they would be sued, that they would face legal actions of various kinds. Their lawyers may face sanctions for representing them, for not so voting to certify on November the 28th. And she even said that they would be criminally referred to the Arizona Attorney General's Office for prosecution under Arizona Statute 161010, which is a Class 6 felony. It's a felony that's used to prosecute child molesters as well. And so... That was what the threats were that Ron Gold in the video you just played talked about. And as a result of that, he voted under duress. This was also received by other supervisors, and they voted to certify on November the 28th. So they met their deadline, but at the same time, it was done in a manner that was frankly unprecedented. Arjun, there's been this controversy from the beginning about should Katie Hobbs recuse herself because of potential conflicts of interest. Uh, in your reporting, do you, is it possible that Corey Lorick sent these since she's the deputy and the head of this, I think state director for elections is a direct report to, uh, Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state. Could it possibly be that she would send such a tough, these emails and the back and forth when you're not just talking about, and we're going to get into sanctions in a minute because this is reared his head again with a, uh, I think an Obama appointed judge on another case uh, to kind of threaten people. Could it possibly, she, she not check with, could she have sent that without checking in with Katie Hobbs and particularly raising this concept of criminal penalties for supervisors? Well, Steve, it's difficult to say, as you noted, Corey Lorick is the deputy, the top elections deputy to Katie Hobbs, who's the secretary of state. It's unlikely, however, that any major threat of legal action from her office would go out without her approval. Obviously, there's no internal record that's been released of whether Corey Lorick spoke to Katie Hobbs before sending this letter. And of course, as you mentioned, the conflict of interest is certainly one to note. But um, I don't think that it could have gone out without Katie Hobbs at least signing off on the threat of legal action. She already has been pretty public about suing Cochise County, which the lawsuit for which was concluded yesterday and which led to the certification of the votes later. But I don't think that this could have gone out without Katie Hobbs having at least some tacit agreement beforehand, if not afterwards. In your reporting, as you've gotten the facts and broken this exclusive with the emails, does it, in your reporting, does it look like these two counties were 
based on the facts as you know them, compelled to certify this election, sir? Oh, yes, absolutely. They were compelled. The supervisors who've gone on the record, who've spoken about the notices and the letters they received, said that they would not have proceeded were it not for these letters. They've said very clearly that they was under duress. That's what Ron Gold said in his video. I don't think that they would have voted to certify on November the 28th had these letters and threats of legal action and criminal prosecution not been received. They, of course, wanted to conduct some due diligence, listen to voters, hold hearings, find, try to wait, find a way to figure out what sort of the facts were regarding the procedures followed on November the 8th election and then perhaps vote to certify. So it's fair to say that they were compelled by these legal threats in order to do so. Given that, Arjun, I think Monday may be the date that they're going to go through at least the first phase of, of uh, the 6th of uh, December the, of um, the certification, what they call a canvas. And they're talking about in the law, you've got this, how you can contest it. In your reporting, how wild is it going to get next week? In other words, we're a long way from this thing being over. In your reporting, what do you sense is going to happen next week in the legal realm, uh, in the political realm about this contested election? Well, what comes next is difficult to say because both Cochise and Mojave, legally speaking right now, have already certified the results of their vote. Um, in the case of Cochise, it was done later. In the case of Mojave, it was done by the deadline. And so whether they could say, you know, challenge the Secretary of State's office in court, suggest that they were pressured to do so, they were voting under duress and that somehow affects the validity. It's difficult to say and it's difficult to note to see whether a judge would agree with them because effectively the issue is in their eyes now moots, of course, some would say. So that's a big thing to talk about. But with respect to what comes next on the at the state level, uh, it's the state that ultimately has to sort of do the final canvas of the results on December the 5th and the 6th. And so whether some action could come from the Arizona state legislature, the Republicans over there, whether the governor's office, which there's currently a Republican governor, Doug Ducey, whether others could act at the state level to basically have Cochise and Mojave counties views heard to perhaps pause until they proceed further. That's something that the state level official officials of the Republican Party and elected officials will have to decide. But as for the counties, it's difficult to see them sort of having a path to move forward on legally speaking. Politically, of course, they can continue to make statements about their duress. But uh, legally speaking, it's a done deal from their end. Arjun, how do people follow you at The Daily Caller and how do they follow you on social media? Well, thank you very much, Steve. Uh, my Twitter handle is Arjun S. Writings. That's Arjun S. Writings. It's where we po it's where I keep posting my exclusives, my tips. We at the Daily Caller, of course, are very much on this story because the story is not going away. There's certainly a lot of questions that people are asking about Arizona and about other states. And we at the Daily Caller are definitely here to report on all of that, as well as all the facts as they come out. No, the Daily Caller has been incredible on, on this story, and it's a global story. So Arjun Singh from the Daily Caller, thank you very much for joining us here in the War Room. Thank you, Steve. Happy to be here. Let me bring in Carrie Lake. Uh, Carrie, you just heard it right there. You know, Arjun and the Daily Caller, it's Tucker's uh, operation. They're pretty on top of things, and they got exclusive. They got the receipts here. What do you have to say about when you have two counties – 
the size of Cochise and Mojave that have essentially been compelled under threat of criminal prosecution in Mojave's case. And of course, this huge fight they've had down at Cochise where they wouldn't even let them finish their due diligence, uh, being compelled to certify this election, ma'am. I wish I could tell you it surprises me, but it doesn't, Steve. I mean, this is akin to making a vote with a gun to your head. I mean, they were under duress, and I don't know how that even holds up, and I'm glad to see that we have some patriots who are willing to fight. Let's talk about disenfranchisement for a bit. We're talking a lot about the voters disenfranchised in Maricopa County, and that's what's really at the crux of all of this. But think about the voters in all of these other counties, these smaller, 14 other smaller counties in Arizona, where the rest of the, what, 38% of Arizona lives. And their voters have been disenfranchised by the shenanigans that happened on Election Day in Maricopa. Maricopa County. And so these board of supervisors are just trying to get to the bottom of it. They want some answers, just as we do, as to what happened on Election Day. I don't know how you can look at what happened in Maricopa County, where more than half of the voting locations, the polling locations, basically went down at some point or another with equipment failing, printers not working. This, these are ballot printers, uh, you know, tabulators spitting out the ballots all day long, people waiting in three and four and even five hour lines and only to show up, vote, have their ballot spit out and then be told to send the, the ballot over to this drawer where, where they're going to count it. You know, trust us, we'll count your ballot. This is a debacle and we need to fight this. We need to fight this and get to the bottom of it. If we cannot move forward with trust in our election system, we've got a real problem in this country. And Arizona has been called upon to fix this and make sure that moving forward, we have honest elections and we figure out what happened in 2020 or 22, rather. We've we got about a minute here and we're holding through the break. You warned about this. In fact, I think you've sent letters. You, you, you try to have press conferences about the conflict of interest. And here we had her deputy sent a letter threatening, threatening criminal prosecution to compel them to certify. Host Stephen K. Bass. Okay, here's the reason that Carrie Lake is such a threat. It's not just the dynamic personality. It's not just the charisma. It's not the empathy and the way she was it. George Bernard Shaw said only connect, right? The boom, that that was the key thing, her connection with people, uh, unlike anybody I've ever seen except for President Trump. It's not that. It's not simply that. The reason they're after is something else. It's the ability to look as we talk about here, over the other side of the hill. There are two things that have happened in the last couple of days that show that, right? The ability to look downrange and to think things through. Remember, in the fog of war, that's the key that's that's necessary. One is this Katie Hobbs situation. And now Arjun Singh and the team over at Daily Caller and they're to be complimented about bringing the receipts Everybody's we've got that in all the chat rooms. Everybody's got to read that story and you have to share that story, particularly in the story where they actually have the emails. Now, Katie Hobbs's deputy, uh, Corey Lorick, you know, sent these threatening emails and actually bring in criminal sanctions and criminal charges because they know the weapon. They'll go to lawfare in a second because they will go there. They play smash mouth. It's like Stalin. Right. They've taken the model of the CCP. This is what Mark Elias and these guys is pure smash mouth all the time. What Carrie Lake warned about, she said, hey, how can we how can we possibly have Katie Hobbs uh, as secretary of state when there's going to be these massive conflicts downrange? She 
could see what was going to happen in November of 2022 when her deputy sent, and you heard, the reason I played that and jumped all over it, I've never heard any elected official in the United States of America at an open mic saying, I'm compelled to vote this way because I've been threatened with a class, what, a class six felony and being prosecuted on the same thing you, you get child molesters for. In addition, she months ago went to court about the same issues that are in Cochise County right now. This whole situation about these machines, that uh, how, how they had to be maintained, the whole deal. And in that fight, she's fighting for what was she could tell was going to happen here. And guess what? A judge ruled against her. But then he waited to drop this bomb of lawfare sanctions in the middle of this, which people think, well, hang on. Is this what's happened in the last couple of days? This is pure intimidation. But it's the way they roll. Hey, and I say with the Republican Party and the, and the MAGA movement, you got to fight fire with fire. They come in hard and they come in hot and they do not back off. Carrie Lake, tell us about the sanctions because sanctions is another weapon, another tool they have in the toolbox. Yeah, it, it's just uh, if it's allowed to stand, it will have a chilling effect on this case, on any election case, on any future case. And, you know, five months ago, we brought this case. We've, we warned. We said these uh, these electronic voting machines are a nightmare. We don't know how they work. They, the companies won't tell us how they work. They've got software that's problematic. They're not transparent. And we had five experts on those uh, on those machines that we had testimony from. And they threw it out, said that we didn't have standing. Imagine a candidate and a voter who doesn't have standing. So they threw it out. Now, if they were going to sanction, they should have done so then. They waited until the eve of us putting forth our lawsuit, which is coming probably by the end of next week. And they sanctioned our attorneys on that. And, and, and what they're trying to do, Steve, is send a big message to any attorney who gets involved in this ever-important election. We've got to fight what happened in this election for the people of this state, and of this country. And they're trying to say, don't you dare get involved, back down, or we will come after you. We'll come after your license to practice law. We'll come after your ability to earn a living. It is absolutely disgusting. We are going to appeal it. My attorneys are going to appeal it, and we have to appeal it. By the way, that case that we brought forth five months ago trying to get rid of these electronic voting machines, because we could see this happening. We could see this happening. We've got that on appeal as well. These voting machines are disastrous. Our sacred vote is being trampled. We showed up on election day and they didn't even work in many locations. And we can't have this happen again. So we need to, way, we need not, to fight this, back. This right is now. not, Car- this is not Carrie Lake saying this. This was a Bill Gates going to the, to the, to the microphone in the very first opening salvo of, uh, of election day. This is, Thousands and tens of thousands of people complaining and signing affidavits about the machines. This is Cochise County Board of Supervisors saying, hey, we really don't know if we can do this now because we really have to do our own inspection of the machines. And Katie Hobbs and Mark Elias. That's why they were elected, to do the work for their people and to stand up for the people. This is not about me. I've said this all along, Steve. I'm just one voter. But I care deeply about Arizona. It is not fun to be in the middle of this. But we have no other choice. I have no other choice but to stand up and fight right now for the people of Arizona. If I don't, who will? Who will? Look, look, look at and the, they're look asking at the arrog- People are asking me. The arrogance of uh, of uh, Cochise County, the Cochise County guy said, hey, what we want is Katie Hobbs to come down here and present to us about these machines and other processes and procedures to make sure our voters are not disenfranchised. Mark Elias then gets a couple of groups. He sues. He says the only presentation 
that the board of supervisors are going to get is in a court of law. Pure smash mouth. This has nothing to do with fair elections, nothing to do with free and transparent elections. This is how they use lawfare. And then to top it off, the cherry on top. And if you bring that case, if you do force us to take you to court, we're going to sanction your attorneys. You see how this works? You see how this works? And that judge, John Tucci, an Obama appointee who worked for a very Democrat uh, law firm that ended up getting pulled into the uh, Perkins Cui, I think is how you pronounce it. They ended up uh, coming together, is the judge making this decision. It's all one big, dirty swamp, in my humble opinion. And we need to stand up right now at this moment. And you talked about uh, me being a politician that, uh, you know, is reaching out to the people. It, it is a movement of, of we the people. And if we let our sacred vote be taken from us with these shoddy, shady elections, I think they're almost fake elections, then we're gone. We're gone as a country. I don't know what choice we have but to stand up and fight right now. And that's why I'm doing this. Perkins Coy was the, uh, is Mark Elias's law firm, former law firm. They're the guys that hardwired the entire 2020 election. Yeah. In fact, the practice I don't got think, so you know, big and so, go ahead, ma'am. He's acting like he's the boogeyman and he's so, he's such a great attorney. I've seen him speak. I, I was actually shocked when I saw him speak. I went, that's the Mark Elias guy. He, he's not very impressive, but when you have, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars behind you, and you have lawfare and you have all of these judges working with you, it's pretty easy to be successful as a lawyer, right? Uh, evil genius is what he is. He's quite, uh, he, he's, he's, uh, they've thought this through. We have to give the devil his due. We need that on our side. Here's the reason they sanction the, in your case, the, because a couple of your senior lawyers are also the ones that are going to file after the certification. And they want to put in the media. The Arizona Republic wants to have in big banner headlines, you know, sanctioned lawyers, right? Lawyers who were sanctioned by a judge. This is, this is totally and completely coordinated with the media, with the courts, with the far left of the Democratic Party, the radical Democrat, and quite frankly, with the McCain establishment who are uh, 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 partners in this. You can't say anything else, but there's been crickets by that group. Go ahead, ma'am. It is one big, massive, infested rat's nest, and it is absolutely uh, going to destroy this country if we don't stand up right now. And you're right. It's a lot of different players. I mean, we go back to before Election Day, all the problems that were going on, and you go to Election Day where uh, it it looks like sabotage. I mean, how else do you explain it where on Election Day, all of these, coincidentally, all these machines going down the same way. It wasn't like one machine shorted out. Another machine had uh, problems reading uh, ballots. Another machine, uh, you know, the on-off switch broke down. These are the same exact type of problems on more than half of the uh, of the election polling places, election day polling places. And it sure as heck looks like an attempt to stop our movement. Everybody and their brother knew that our people, our supporters were showing up on election day. And I am I am crestfallen for the voters of the great state of Arizona, many of them. Older people, many of them, young people voting for the first time, veterans who showed up so excited to vote in this election because they had a candidate in me who was truly going to stand up and do their work and do the people's work. And they showed up only to get there and realize, oh, my gosh, this election is being botched. Looks like to me intentionally botched when they couldn't get their their ballot to be read. I saw some grown men leaving in video, leaving these election polling places and they just looked like, oh, my gosh, our country's gone. Our country's gone. When this kind of stuff happens over and over and over again and we're unable to fight it, I will fight this 
until I will find, this is a hill we're dying on for me, Steve. And I will, I will make it to the top of this hill and they'll make it to the top of the next hill and we will bring about fair elections in this state and in this country. Last thing, you know, we're doing a lot of things on energy and this new bill they're going to put forward for full spectrum energy dominance at the beginning of the, uh, of the new term with our, the Republican MAGA house. And internationally, we have a lot of people talking about Europe and how it's going down. They're asking our people every time before we come on, tell us what's going on in Arizona. Tell us what's going on in Arizona. How humiliating is this for the great state of Arizona that's now at an inflection point to become a worldwide power in chip production, all high technology, to have this humiliating process that now you have stories where uh, election officials are threatening supervisors and counties with with felonies and prison terms if they don't certify their illegitimate election, ma'am? It's a, it's a humiliating, it's embarrassing, and it shows that we need to turn our elections around. We It is a black eye for Arizona, and if we allow this to stand without putting up a fight, I don't know that Arizona can recover from it. I mean, people are telling me, I want to move out of the state. I just can't live in a state where my vote doesn't count, where I have no way to uh, redress and, and deal with with these serious issues that the county won't listen to me. They act like they're listening. They give me two minutes to speak on it. And then they just do what they plan to do where we, the people have no say in repairing such an important vital system, our election system. It's a huge embarrassment. And I think it's going to be a a dangerous to Arizona's future. Where do people uh, follow you, ma'am? Next week's big. They can go to carrylake.com and, uh, you know, if, if you can make a donation there, I hate to even ask, but attorneys don't pay for themselves. We've got great attorneys. They can go to my Twitter, my Getter, my Truth Feed and uh, talk to me there. I know that the people are with me in this fight, Steve. The people are with you, Carrie Lake. There's no doubt about that. Okay, short commercial break. Tom Van Flying, Caroline Wren on the way forward next in the war room. Let's go to, I've got Carolyn Wren and I've got, I think, let's take Tom, he's on the phone. Let's take Tom, uh, Tom uh, um, let's go to Carolyn Wren first. Carolyn, uh, tell us what people, everybody's kind of hanging now on uh, tenter hooks about what's going to happen. They've come and sanctioned your lawyers. Van Flyn's going to walk us through that. They're trying to chop block you out of the gates. This, this forced certification under compulsion, they're compelling counties to forcibly certify elections they don't want to certify. And the whole world sees it. The emails, all that. What is the path forward starting on Monday or Tuesday next week when we can go to the next phase of this? Uh, Your entire movement is waiting to hear the answer. Well, you're right on the shake. I mean, what Katie Hobbs is doing right now in an effort to obtain power is tyrannical. It's it's banana republic on a, a next level. I mean, she's shaking down counties, asking for answers about what occurred on Election Day, and she's threatening them with jail time if they don't comply with her wishes. And it's like she's in a mafia movie or something. And it's not even that she's not even seeking an election at this point. They're seeking a coronation. And we don't care what the media says. We don't care what twice convicted racist Katie Hobbs says. Hobbs says if this process was Ill- illegitimate, then so are the results. And Katie Hobbs is using language to intimidate these board of supervisors into certifying an election that, you know, the language it cannot be found in any Arizona election statute. It, you can't find it, though, verbatim from Mark Elias's legal findings. That's really where this is being driven. And, you know, our founders 
warned us about this type of tyranny. In fact, James Madison said that the accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary, in the same hands, whether of one, a few, or many, and whether hereditary, self-appointed, or elective, may justly to be pronounced the very definition of tyranny. And that is what we're seeing right now. Katie Hobbs is attempting to be the judge, jury, and executioner in Arizona elections. And that's not how a constitutional republic works. So understanding that they're playing smash mouth, they got Mark Elias, they're threatening Cochise County, which you warned about on the machines. They got Mojave. Uh, they have intimidated everybody and they're rolling right. towards this coronation. How do we, what is the next phase that, that we go on offense? The next thing, I mean, this is in the hands of our attorneys right now, and we have a, a great confidence in them, you know, less confidence, obviously, in the courts. What they did with the courts, which Tom is going to talk about later, was clearly an intimidation factor. They're trying to intimidate our attorneys, intimidate, intimidate any lawyer who's willing to put their name on a a lawsuit are on our behalf or whoever files a behalf and say you're going to be threatened with sanctions. But you know what? We... We have to stand up and fight. We can't be scared of these people. We can't just walk away. The grassroots movement that Kerry created in Arizona was truly historic. I mean, she captured an energy that drew interest from voters of all backgrounds and all political persuasions. But in Maricopa County, democracy doesn't die in darkness. It gets taken away from the people in broad daylight. And I, I think back, Steve, to the partisan press. If you remember, they were writing Katie Hobbs' obituary weeks in advance of Election Day. The, the real core politics polling average was three and a half points that had Carrie Lake up. But what happened on Election Day was nothing short of historic voter disenfranchisement that changed the outcome of this election. And they were a lot less subtle this time, I will say, than they were in 2020. And we're going to take it to the courts. And the attorneys are going to fight this. And the, they cannot stop this movement that Carrie, Carrie Lake has. They just can't do it. Uh, Caroline, how do people get to you on social media? Because this thing's heating up over the weekend and it's going to get white hot starting Monday, Tuesday next week. How do people follow you? Sure. They can follow me at, at Caroline Wren and on Getter, Truth Social, or uh, Twitter. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Okay. One of the one of the best guys. I've known this guy for a long time, back in the days of Sarah Palin, when Sarah Palin first came on the scene, Tom Van Flying. Tom, you're one of the attorneys here. Uh, this, uh, they, they have a weapon and it's called sanctions of attorneys and it's trying to get, it's trying to intimidate the legal profession. Why, what happened and why did this thing drop, this sanction just drop in the middle of what we're working on now? Well, the timing is interesting, Steve, uh, cause they, the judges had months and months to issue a ruling like this and, uh, whether that was deliberate or the judge was just busy, but the timing is suspicious uh, because of what's going on right now. But you got to keep in mind, <clears throat> sanctions against attorneys and litigants is pretty rare. In every lawsuit, there's going to be a winner and a loser. Litigation is a zero-sum game. So you, you cannot just routinely sanction the losing party. That's not how American litigation works. You have to do something as a lawyer or a litigant that is deemed bad faith or frivolous or you just filed a claim with no research whatsoever. In the case that was filed earlier this year, uh, Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham had four or five experts. They had a legal theory laid out that in reading the judge's sanction order, I don't think the judge fully appreciated because one of the reasons for sanctioning uh, the lawyers and, and he almost sanctioned the litigants was the saying that, well, they admit they vote on paper ballots. The lawsuit was to go to paper ballots. Well, that is disingenuous because those paper ballots had to then be fed into a tabulator machine. And that's what the lawsuit was really about, whether it should right. be fed into a machine where it was subject to adjudication and other issues. 
And so for the judge to say it was frivolous because they know themselves that there's a, a, a paper ballot because they voted before is to me disingenuous and a way for the court to make it look more to make it look frivolous when it wasn't. Tom, um, Tom, just ha- yeah. hang on. Just Tom, hang on one second. We'll take a short commercial break. We'll be back with Tom Van Flying about the situation in Arizona next in the world. Tom Van Flyn is one of the top lawyers around. Tom, the timing of this and the sanctions, and you said this was far from frivolous. You had experts that they had on technology. It was the first time I really understood the machines. Was really looking, you know, sitting down with those experts you had. So you had these experts that need it. It's it's the big problem in Cochise County now. They're being compelled and forced to do this against their will. The same issue that you guys brought up six months ago. So it's certainly not frivolous. It's the heart of this issue and the breakdown of Maricopa County. It's far from frivolous, but the legal part of it's such ridiculous. But it's also what they're doing is very sophisticated in the media part. They want they dropped it over the in the last two days of this week because they want to be able to say next week when you actually go to the contest the elections part. That, oh, look at her lawyers. They would just sanction for a frivolous lawsuit. The Arizona Republic is going to put that in a massive, bold headline right at the top, right? Because they're playing information war and lawfare at the same time. Tom Van Flyn, your thoughts and analysis. That is absolutely correct. The timing is perfect for that. And they'll probably misconstrue it and just conflate this current case ruling with the next case, which is a different lawsuit altogether based on different issues and different facts and different legal theories. And probably in their coverage, they won't write facts. They'll just put opinion in their article and they will suggest or imply that it's the same suit. They're bringing it again. They already got tossed out and it will undermine the credibility of the next lawsuit and undermine the the image of the, and the talent of the lawyers that Kerry has working on this. And the judge says as much, by the way, in the order. That's what makes this very curious. At the end of the order, the judge basically says, I'm imposing sanctions because we want to deter any cases like this that could threaten the integrity of the electoral process in the, in the eye of the public. So he is relitigating 2020 and he is making a comment that was not involved in this case. People have a right to bring lawsuits. In fact, Stephen, on this particular lawsuit, this is more like a public interest lawsuit. Uh, Car- neither Kerry nor Mark Fincham were asking for money or damages for themselves where they had a personal financial interest in the outcome. That is where a case of sanctions often applies. However, in public interest litigation, which is what this is, the courts almost never sanction people because they are. In- there's a public policy involved of encouraging people to take yes. issue with public policy through the courts and to challenge laws, even if they lose, they normally don't punish the, the, the parties in public interest litigation. This is very unusual, and it's also unusual to impugn the, the lawyer like that as, as it does under uh, uh, USC Section 27, where sanctions were imposed directly against counsel. And that is highly unusual, and the, the judge gave it away in the end of the order where he says, I'm trying to, you know, I'm sanctioning you because yeah. we don't want any more litigation about election integrity. And that is wrong. That should be reviewed on appeal and I hope reversed. It's going to be, but the, the timing is about now because the fight is the judge, hey, note to judge, Rasmussen, every poll knows this thing in Arizona, not simply stinks to high heaven, 
but is illegal and illegitimate. And Katie Hobbs is just like Biden, illegal and illegitimate. And we're going to fight well, that a, every day. Tom, a do you have social media? Tom, yeah, go ahead, sir. Oh, I was going to say, and, and I don't know if you've discussed the, the law on conflict of interest in Arizona, that but it, it's a two-step. Uh, can you hear me? Oh, it's no, two keep, keep going, Tom. Okay, yeah, it's a two-step process under the Arizona Conflict of Interest Law. If you are a public official charged with carrying out a duty, but you might get a financial or pecuniary gain out of it, uh, you can't act on that matter. You have to recuse yourself. That's like a zoning board official who has land at issue. You cannot vote on your own zoning appeal, right? So in this case, the pecuniary interest for Katie Hobbs is she has the potential for a governor's salary and a governor's job for four years. So she has a pecuniary interest. She clearly is involved in the decision-making, is in cur- currently metaphorically holding a gun to the head of these supervisors saying, you will vote yes, or I will have you thrown in jail, or have you sued in, in other capacities. And that just demonstrates the conflict here. The remedy under Arizona law is a broad remedy. You have to undo the action that was taken by the public official. In this case, you'd have to have a whole new election. I don't have any faith that a court would ever order that under the current circumstances. You see the kind of judging that has shown a lack of courage and enforcement of the law since 2020. So uh, good, good luck with that. But in, in any event, she had a clear uh, conflict of interest, in my opinion. And the judge in this case on the sanctions order was clearly sending a message to people, you will not bring litigation to challenge these election laws uh, or you will pay the price. Tom, how do people follow you on social media? You're on social media at all? Very little, but I have a Twitter, at Van Flein, V-A-N-F-L-E-I-N. Okay, brother. Thank you very much. appreciate it. Um, thank you. Okay, we've got another hour, and it's packed. We're going to have uh, coverage of the uh, of Elon Musk at 6 o'clock. He's going to put it out. Also, they're in court right now in Arizona. We're going to have an update on that. We're also going to get to this Delaware situation. There was a county in Delaware that can't uh, – that couldn't um, couldn't certify because it ran out of ballots, but there's another county that went from red to blue, Delaware County. We're going to talk about that. Also, Crom, I got Crom Carmichael come back from this morning. We said had such a strong outpouring of war room posse uh, about uh, about salty. I just want to make sure everybody understands the process you have to go to. And we've got so much more. We got Matthew Tiermont of Brazil. We have a big Brazil um, live feed tonight on Getter. There's a lot going on on a Friday. Uh, we've only begun to fight here, so we want you to hang around for the second hour. Short commercial break back in a moment. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, you talk about battlegrounds. It's Arizona and Pennsylvania. I've said that from the very beginning. You know, they're the keys that pick the lock in this. And I, I keep telling people, if you if you have some sort of fantasy that about twenty four, and we don't talk about twenty four because we've got so much work to do in the in the lame duck and what's going to happen in twenty twenty three at the beginning. Th- this fight is here and now. But just looking downrange as we always do, you 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 have no chance. To win the presidency, I don't care if it is uh, Ronald Reagan comes back. Forget Trump and forget DeSantis uh, if Arizona is not sorted. Now, the way he gets Arizona sorted is figure out exactly what went on. Pennsylvania, I, I hate to say this, maybe too far gone. Maybe, maybe not. We've got two experts that wrote this incredible book, Parallel Election, and they have not been Welcome with open arms on this topic. It's like people just want to kind of have it go away. 
but it can't go away till we get to the bottom of it because there's something definitely that just does not hang together logically about what's happened in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Now, Delaware County, Pennsylvania is one of the most important counties in the United States politically, and they got a couple in Pennsylvania, particularly up in North, Northeast. This is down around Philadelphia. You can't win Pennsylvania unless this thing gets sorted. Greg Stentrum and Leah Hoops, and we've had them on a number of times. Guys, we're going to have about 10 minutes. I just want you to take us through. You guys take it. Walk through what the book is about, but particularly what you found about the corruption and the stealing of the election in 2020 in Delaware County. Folks, go ahead and take it. All right. Uh, bottom line is um, they substitute fake ballots for real ones. They take your votes and they throw them away, shred them, pervert them, and uh, they substitute them for uh, their fake ones. And then what they do is they say, count the fake ballots that they've inserted and block every effort to investigate while it destroy the forensic pedigree of where the fake ballots came from. So that's it in a nutshell. They break these procedures designed to protect our vote and to create surface area for fraud. That's it in a summary. Okay, Leah? so so go to the details. That's such a that's such a huge charge, Leah, that they actually sub and they did it on a mass scale. This wasn't onesies, twosies, right? So how did they how did they do that? If that's your thesis, walk us through how they did it. Well, you have to start all the way from the from the very beginning in, in the simple fact that they started changing our election laws um, and started perverting the law uh, to begin with. And that started in 2016 uh, and they did it in the Senate. And then they gave us these all mail in ballots and they were setting up uh, our state for complete corruption um, and, and the fraud, which is the mail in ballot system. And that was done by the Republicans, and that's how we got X-77. And then you start installing uh, district attorneys that are bought and paid for by George Soros uh, that will never prosecute for any kind of election fraud. And then you start installing candidates, uh, and you, you flip counties. And that's how it started here in Delaware County. And, um, and then what they did was put, they put in their drop boxes. They centralized the counting centers. They didn't allow and still don't allow people to actually observe what they're doing which is a perversion of the law. And that includes being able to see the actual mail-in ballots, the signatures, uh, and be able to observe the canvassing process, which we're not allowed to do. So um, there's a multitude of ways that they do this. They don't do the logic and accuracy testing, which is what we saw uh, repeatedly since 2020, which means when you go in, you're supposed to think, uh, do things according to a directive, which is set forth by the EAC, by NIST, by every single possible way that you could think of, the certification of the machines, and then they don't actually perform the logic and accuracy testing. And what that ensures is that your ballot will run through properly, that all of the races are in the proper uh, spots, and that the software and the hardware uh, works according to the, uh, the manufacturer. And they are not doing any of this, and we caught them in Delaware County. That's what you saw out in Maricopa and in New Jersey and in Michigan and in Texas, these scanning issues. And who goes to the polls the most? It's Republicans. So they completely delay. They disenfranchise. And then on top of that, you're bringing in, you're ingesting all of these ballots that have no pedigree from drop boxes, and they harvest from voter rolls, and then they erase any, any, uh, any trail <clears throat> they have evidence of. Let me, this let me is, go, uh, by the way, it's not just Arizona. It's not just Arizona. It's we're going to have Matthew Tierman on here about Brazil's on the brink, uh, essentially about the machines. Right. We're going to get into the whole Brazil situation. Right after you. But here, when you say but I just want to go back and make sure we use this time when you say on a mass basis, 
they substitute votes for the ballots that they created. Number one, walk me through how they substituted it, and then number two, how they actually created their own ballots. Uh, Greg, why don't you do that? Just tell me how they substituted it and how they created their own. First of all, this is grand mal corruption that's centrally controlled, and it is a national conspiracy, and it's highly targeted. They, they target uh, specific counties. 32 counties control basically at a mass level the 3,200 uh, other counties in the country. At that level, what they do is they bring in uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of fake ballots that they create from uh, actual actual voter rolls, which they then scrub. And essentially, when they collect these ballots that you put in drop boxes and then you mail and so forth, they intercept them at different vectors and different points, including right up until they get to the voting centers and they intercept them take them aside, put the fake ballots in, and then what they did in the central counting centers, which you saw everywhere, Antrim, Philadelphia, Delaware County, DeKalb County, uh, Fulton County, then they don't let you get near the ballots. And the reason they do that is because they can't let you see them. They run them through the machines, and once that ballot comes out of an envelope, it's a fired bullet. Get that in the box, destroy the envelopes, destroy the images, destroy the entire forensic pedigree of the entire election. And then they come back and they say, count the ballots. And that's how we end up with Maricopa County with hundreds of people there contemplating their belly buttons and looking at ballots up in the air and and through uh, infrared glasses. And and they're already the fake ballots anyway. So that's the mail-in ballot portion of it. And uh, there's another part of it, but I want to take one piece at a time because I know we have limited time. But that's it in the, the mail-in let, ballot procedures. Let me just, st- hey, 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 let me just, let, let me just stay, stay right there for a second. Antrim in Michigan, uh, the, the Wayne County in Michigan, Delaware County, the ones in Philadelphia, uh, Fulton County, DeKalb. I got it. I can understand that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't we have a, le- a Republican election officials, lawyers, all that in each one of those that are supposed to be the guardians of this, that even if somebody wanted to do it, Greg, there's supposed to be a safeguard of a set of eyes and a team of eyes that are trained by the RNC and others to actually sit there and go, hey, I see these guys are doing this. Isn't that supposed to be the check and balance here, sir? Those uh, next, next to the officials, those are the guys that we're in a fight with. Uh, the biggest people I had to fight with at the central counting centers, and we got reports of that all over the country. I'd like to pass that one on to Leah because I know she's got a dozen antidotes on this. That, um, but that, those are, the, those are ahead, our biggest Le- foes. Go ahead, Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Or Steve, I talked about it on other shows. The RNC, um, first of all, they the training that they did, uh, they, they trained people to be pacifists and, and simply that they were not going to do anything um, that remotely required them to fight or, or anything else. They just told them to go in, be good little boys and girls, and, and then just report back to the lawyers that they're paying thousands of dollars an hour to. Um, so that's what the RNC did. And when you talk to these lawyers, which we've been talking to them for two years, because we keep running into them in these counting centers, they're a bunch of turnips that have no idea what we're talking about. I've talked to them about logic and accuracy testing. They had no idea what it was at all. They didn't know what they were looking at. They didn't know what to challenge. They didn't understand the Constitution. They didn't understand election law. Okay, so they're hiring people that have not a clue what they're even looking at. They wouldn't know fraud if it punched them square in the teeth. Okay, so even if they are there as as an observer, you're better off putting a lamp inside of the counting center 
and, and save your money because these lawyers are useless. I want to go to the book. I'm running out of time. We'll have you guys back. I want people to get this book. When you say parallel election, Greg, I want you to take this. Give me a one-minute summary of why is it, why, what is a parallel election? Why did you name the book that? Well, fraud has been going on for as long as people have been voted. The first chapter in the book uh, goes from the 1870s in Delaware County and brings you forward. And at that point, it was Republicans and cheating, and then Democrats are cheating. We've been doing that forever. 2,000 mules showed how they stuffed mail-in ballots all over the country. What they've done is they've perfected the fraud, perfected it. And what they've done is by perverting the laws and then perverting the processes and removing people, the decentralized voting, into a centralized voting, they now control these specific areas. So while people think there's an election going on, just like the Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13 con jobs that we've seen in the movies, they're running a parallel election. The real votes are going over here. The fake votes are going through here in a highly targeted, top-level controlled conspiracy and fraud. And we have the receipts. Please read the book. We've got the proof. Yeah. I want you you guys to hold. We're going to put – just hold. I want to bring in Matthew Tiermont. Matthew, we have a situation in Brazil. And uh, it almost boggles the mind. You think you're listening to a, a, almost a science fiction movie, but you see, you're seeing what's going on in Maricopa County, and it's a fiasco. Uh, you've seen what these guys are putting forward in Delaware County, right? And you can see the evidence, and believe it or not, believe it, you're for free. Then you see what's happening in Brazil, which they've gone to the next level. There, they did away with all paper, and they went purely to the machines. And tell us where we are today, because Brazil's on the brink. Am I, am I incorrect in saying that the Brazil's on the brink right now? I think martial law is coming next week. I think that the violation by the Supreme Court and the Electoral Court, that subsidiary court that is both run by Alexander de Moraes, uh, they're not complying with the constitutionally endowed military audit of the election uh, via the machine. The source code in the machines, the physical machines, the source code and the data, they have refused to give it in to the military for the proper investigation. And that's the leverage point the military is going to utilize to say that's against the law. You are acting unconstitutionally. You, the arbiters of the Constitution, are acting unconstitutionally. Everybody knows that there's uh, a total mess with the machines. It's why people were chanting. You and I talked about it a year ago. Protests and rallies in the streets of the cities saying, give us paper ballots, give us auditable ballots. Jair Bolsonaro, as a congressman, spearhead, spearheaded legislation, what we would call lead sponsored uh, in their lower house, a printers in the polling sites to print out a paper ballot that gets in a box alongside the digital. And Dilma Rousseff, she was president at the time vetoed it, went back to the lower house, and they overrode the veto, which never happens given the size of supermajority required to override a veto. And then the Supreme Court threw out the legislation citing privacy grounds. First of when would a socialist ever not spend money? Dilma said, the printers are too expensive. Yeah, right. Everybody knows that this fix has been in and coming. We all know in Latin America, the voting machine system that came out of Venezuela in 2000, that was used in Brazil in 2016. That source code, I, I assert, is still being used. 
uh, being machined and engineered out of the election overseers that are all tied to Lula, that are all via the electoral court that is filled with the Lula Dilma Temer appointees, political appointees. Uh, So, yeah, Brazil is they're about they believe that they are done. They even pushed up the certification, as we talked about the other day. This got validated yesterday. They pushed up the December 19th certification date to December 12th. And that's why I think the military is going to act next week. They're not going to accept this. They are going to demand to see them. And if they have to use force, so be it. That is their constitutional role. They're the military. They're not uh, candy stripers in a hospital. They are endowed with force for a reason. And Article 142 allows them to adjudicate these separated power disputes. And the judiciary is where the dispute is emanating from. The judiciary is not doing their job. They are not being the arbiter of constitutionality. They're trying to win an election. How did we get into a situation in Brazil, an advanced nation, where we're arguing, uh, they're even talking about martial law because we're arguing about source code and data, given all the problems that have existed in in other countries and in the United States about this central topic? How could we be in a situation where it's on it's on the. The, the edge of potential martial law because of source code and data, sir. I think it goes back to the Sao Paulo Forum. How is Latin America? You know, I was thinking about this today. You and I have talked about the Sao Paulo Forum ad infinitum, even ad nauseum. Why was it founded in 1990? Well, the great uh, deliverer of Marxist revolutions and the secure, the, the stimulator, the sponsor was the Soviet Union all through the 20th century. In 1989 to 1990, the Soviet Union fell and the Sao Paulo Forum was formed by Lula and Fidel Castro. Fidel and Cuba was the bulwark. That was their breeding ground for Latin American Marxism. They've been trying to inject it with varying levels of success from the 60s and 70s on. We saw what happened in Chile and Argentina, and you'd have the radical Marxist movement. Then you'd have a radical reactionary movement in response. We saw, obviously, Pinochet. We saw some of the things that go on in the violent opposition to the Marxist takeover, and it was ugly. But the Sao Paulo Forum, chartered in 1990 when the Soviet Union fell, did a great job. They took the best lessons of Gramsci and Marcuse and the culture war issues to inculcate and indoctrinate in the youth. And they put in people all over Latin America. We've gone through the list, Chavez and Maduro, Morales in Bolivia, now Petro in Colombia and Boric in Chile. And they claim, well, they say this openly, the Lula people say this openly, their big mistake when Lula and Dilma ran the government for almost 15 years was we didn't gut the military. They won't make that mistake twice. They, you know, this is what Chavez did in 2000. He sent the military people who had some level of independence, the gulags. This is what Stalin did when he took power. He got rid of the Leninists. Uh, this is what Mao did. Well, Lula, they screwed it up a little 15 years ago. Thank God for it. And the military is now the last uh, edge of defense of a constitutional republic, a, a scaled up constitutional republic in South and Latin America. And if the military doesn't act, and I've said this on your show before, and it may seem overly reactionary, they're going to the gulag first. Their heads will roll under the guillotines of the Robespierre's, our contemporary Robespierre's. Uh, so I think that they will be forced to act, and they will act. And I have sources on the ground what? saying that that hold on, 
that the reservists are being activated right now, starting yesterday in smaller and mid-sized cities. They're going around, they're picking them up. You can already see videos, and I'll get them to Cameron to air for tomorrow's show, of tanks being transported to strategic points and chokeholds around the country. I think by next Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, they're going to put a letter in front of Bolsonaro and say, sign this and activate us. Uh, we believe that we have to, according to the Constitution, to act right now and go after these machines, go after these judges, arrest them, and then the House of Cards will fall. All of the lower apparatchiks who executed the conspiracy will buckle quickly because they're weak-willed to start with. These are not strong people. They're functionaries and execute what they're told. Real quickly, we're going to have you back on tomorrow morning, but just in two minutes. How did uh, uh, Biden congratulate Lula in the first 24 hours? And Jake Sullivan, our CIA has already been down this summer. I understand Jake Sullivan is scheduled to go down next week, the National Security Advisor. Any tr- why is the United States government, t- why this is uncertain, the Brazilian people on the streets with millions of people, why are they inserting themselves? They're the same level of nervousness that, uh, that you're seeing from this court by pushing up the certification date, our NSC and our State Department and our CIA, they know what's going on as well. They know that this is getting, it's coming to a head. As I said the other night on Tucker, it's coming to a head and they are going to take proactive action. But you know what? Brazil is still sovereign. And if the Brazilian military acts with or without Bolsonaro's pen stroke, I think that constitutionally to, to invoke 142, he's going to have to sign off on it, which means you're going to have the global, uh, you know, the globalist class from the U.N. to the E.U. to Washington to the media. All of a sudden, they're going to start focusing on Brazil. It's been memory hold. The revolution will not be televised. Yeah. They will start focusing on it the second the military engages. And then it's going to be up to, you know, the alternative media, us, you know, you and my networks, Paulo Figueiredo, Alan Dos Santos, to make sure that we find those uh, those contemporary conservative players that are up against the same things and have a position of strength at this moment, the Poles, the Hungarians, maybe the Swedish Democrats, uh, the Republican Party. We better get Republican congressmen vocal. They haven't said anything. The only one said Santos. Crickets. Give me your social media, particularly Twitter and Getter, where people can get to you because the next 48, 72 hours are critical. At Matthew Termond, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-T-Y-R-M-A-N-D. Shout out, we're doing a rally in downtown Miami, 4th and Biscayne, at 6 p.m. tomorrow, a Brazilian rally. Uh, protesters, marchers, the whole works. We're going to have Aldo Santos speaking. I'm speaking. Jimmy Levy, yeah. who saw uh, Welcome to the Revolution, has become the anthem of the Brazilian spring. He's Miami-based. Uh, and based, we're, just no. we're uh, going li- re- to live stream that on Getter. Okay. We're going to have you yep. on tomorrow morning. We're going to live stream and get her 24-hour coverage nonstop. We got a special at 8 o'clock on the War Room Getter account. Jane Zirkel will be hosting uh, amazing personages from Brazil are going to be there. Matthew, thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow morning and probably tonight later on these uh, a uh, Brazil on the brink. Uh, Leah, uh, you see what we – the reason we have to – you have to read this book and we have to sort this out. We don't want to be where Brazil is. And trust me, I don't like the trend I'm seeing. How do people get your book, Lee, and how are they find you on social media? Uh, you can find us on www.patriot.online. Uh, we both have our um, profiles there. I'm also on True Social as the Delco Patriot. And you can get the book at www.parallelelection.com. You can also find us on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble as well. And I'm, we're also on Facebook. Uh, Greg, do you have a social media account? www excuse me patriot.online at gregory stenstrom and facebook gregory stenstrom as well thank you steve
we'll have you guys back on to do another part. Thank you so much. Everybody get this book, Parallel Election. Okay, we're going to be live on uh, War Room tonight on Getter and then back here tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. for the Saturday edition of uh, War Room. You're not going to want to miss it. See you then.